how did you get from there thinking that maybe you were weak, which you're absolutely not, <laughs> but I know, I know the yeah. feeling, um, to being here now about to stand on the UTMB start line and being yeah. like ready. It was a long road and I feel like I'm still on that road. I mean, you walk away from a race like that and I just felt like a total fraud. I stand for like, you don't DNF no matter what, like you mm-hmm. have a compound fracture, like you walk that out, like sorry, you're still breathing fine, right? Your heart's working, like you can walk it out. And so there are circumstances in life and training and injury and whatever it is that are going to make that confidence fade or Mm -hmm. grow stronger. And I think as long as you have that vision of where you want to be and you keep pushing towards it, like the confidence is easier to return to. Yeah. Yo, yo, welcome to Be Rad the Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bradley. What's up? I'm Carson Magoon, and uh, together we produce this radical show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we interviewed Sabrina Stanley, who I've admired for a really long time. Um, I admire her for the obvious reason. She's one of the best ultra runners in the world. Holtz and Nolan's 14, FKT has been a hard rock champion, Diagonal Day Food champion, top 10 at UTMB, just to name a few. And we actually interviewed her right before her top 10 performance at UTMB. And UTMB is a long time goal that she hopes to win one day. And I admire her obviously for her stout results, but also because she's a fierce competitor. She doesn't back away from what she says and she's caught some flack in the, running industry before for being so intense but why you know why did she catch that flack and i love her because she stayed true to that and she's just as fierce as she was the first day she came on the scene yeah it was a really cool conversation between you two i'd say you both are like equally fierce uh in different ways but also kind of the same way so you know is really uh captivating conversation yeah she was so fun to talk to (laughs) i'm so inspired by her and it makes me want to shoot for my own big goals with the same ferocity that she does and this episode is brought to you by our sponsors delta g ketones i have been loving them as we talked about in the last episode for my recovery and my cognition especially before really long days on the computer but Recently, I've been noticing a huge difference on my runs, which it took me a little while to notice because I wasn't doing super long runs. But yesterday I came home from a hard 19 mile run. And the first thing that I said when I walked in the door was that taking these ketones, these performance ketones helped. Yeah, yeah, you were talking really highly of it. And I was, I was pretty stoked to hear that, you know, it kept you, kept you moving and grooving through your whole workout it sounds like right? yeah usually i have a pretty major energy dip around mile nine this is a loop that i do all the time and it's a pretty difficult loop with about three thousand feet of elevation gain and i always try and run it kind of fast um, because i'm training for a fast 100k right now and in this section i always bonk despite taking gels i was about mm-hmm. 180 grams of carbohydrates in already at nine miles which I always end and I always still bonk because it's just a hard run. And this time I noticed while doing a hard interval at the end of the run, I was like, oh my gosh, my energy levels have been stable the whole time. Yeah, these things are super efficient. You absorb them super easily and you can absorb them easily when it's super hot, which is usually super hot. 
that loop that you do, right? Oh yeah, it ends <laughs> like on this crazy highway section that under direct sunlight, it's so humid, it's so hot um, and it's hard, but I, I also ran it 10 minutes faster yesterday. So wow. stay tuned to nice. see. Good yeah. work. Thank you. I'm, I was pretty stoked about that. It's, it's been helping me too with uh, office work. Sometimes sitting at a computer for more than like an hour is really hard for me, but I cranked out like four hours at the computer the other day, just working on a bunch of my, I have a bunch of different jobs right now, but it was really helpful. It helped me stay engaged and energized throughout the entire work sesh. So I gotta say, I, I can tell a difference and I only took it one time because yeah. you let me. I know, I'm hoarding it. <laughs> There's only so much they give me, so. Please, can I, can I have some more? Maybe, if you behave. It's <laughs> like I gotta behave for the next round of ketones, but mm -hmm. Delta G ketones. Yeah, this is my favorite. This is the performance and this is the health. These are the two uh, ketones that I take the most often. Uh, you can hit up the website in our show notes to take the Delta G ketone quiz to figure out what type of ketones work best for you. Just down there. Yeah, just click the link. <laughs> the <laughs> link. <laughs> click that link. And yeah. let us know what you think of Delta G ketones. Enjoy the episode, guys. Woo! All right. Shoots. Shoots. Amen. Oh, yeah. Well, action. Welcome to the B-Rad Podcast. I am your host, Cap Bradley, and with me I have Sabrina Stanley, a professional ultra runner, hard rock champ, maybe the 2023 UTMB champ. Who knows? We'll find out this week. Um, I love this question because, you know, that's how I would describe you. Someone who's been a fan for a long time. We're friends. Like, I've gotten... But we haven't gotten to spend that much time together. But So, like, how would you describe yourself to this community? Or, like, if you're introducing someone... To, introducing yourself to someone. And, uh, like, what do you do for work? Um, I'm a trail runner. <laughs> um, I think... Like, to describe myself, I'm passionate. I can be quirky and funny and enjoy a good sense of humor. Um, I like to have a good time. And I think people don't see that in the trail community as much because yeah. it is... I mean, I enjoy it, but it is still a job. And I want to take my job seriously. And I want to be good at my job. And so I show up and I work. And so outside of work, I feel like I'm maybe a different person than I show at work. Yeah. And uh, I just wish the trail running community was able to see that side of me a little bit more. Maybe that's my own fault because I don't express it as well through my social media either. <laughs> it's hard to do. I feel that way too. Like, especially, you know, Carson, my husband has known me since high school and then saw me in the trail world. And it's yeah. like, wow, you have two different personalities. And But you yeah. kind of have to be that way sometimes. It's hard to be multidimensional on social media too. I yeah. Mean, like in interviews when like all you're talking about is running. Totally. And it, the answers are serious. Like you can't, it's harder to show that those personality depths. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. And then also with like, sometimes on social media, there's, um, do's and don'ts for like sponsors and stuff. Like, sure. and so yeah. that I think can alter personalities a little bit. Well, maybe you'll get to show some of your yeah. personality today. <laughs> but speaking of, um, you've always been one of my favorite runners to follow. Like I remember, um, when we did Western the first, the, you know, the, in 2017 together, you were third, um, Right? Yeah. Third, yeah. And 
I remember seeing you at camp. Um, and I just finished like with a big group and, and then you came like right after us just smoking by. I was like, who, who is this chick? <laughs> and then, you know, then I saw some interviews from you and I was following you since then. And something I've always admired is that you are just like unabashedly confident and bold, um, which I think is so cool. Um, and your, your self-belief is so deserved, but it's been, you know, you've had it even before the results came and, you know, where do you draw that from? Cause that's hard at the pro level to, you know, to hold steady to. Yeah. I don't view it as much as like self-confidence and I get that feedback a lot, but I think it's just, I had a dream and I had goals and I wanted to accomplish them and I don't feel shy sharing those goals. And then the feedback I receive when I share those goals is like, wow, that's confident. And it's like, I, yeah. I don't know. It's just more like, I think that I'm capable of doing this and I'm going to try to do it the best I can. And maybe I can't, but I would rather like put everything into it and totally. verbally express that and like put it into the universe. And so far it's worked out pretty well for me. And so, yeah. um, I guess like positive reinforcement, I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. And I think uh, confidence yeah. is good. I don't think when I say oh, that, sure. it's something that, yeah. you know, I struggle with my own confidence and I think it reflects in my performances. I think, you know, on the days that I'm feeling really confident, I perform well. And then if I'm like, if something happens and it's, you know, it never has anything to do with my fitness, you know, and it can be hard at the pro level, but you have held so steady to it. And, um, and I think especially in, on the woman's side, it's something that a lot of pro women struggle with. And, it doesn't, you know, maybe it does for you, but it do- it doesn't seem to, like, no matter what, you know, and, and there's good races and bad races for everyone in the sport, but no matter what, you hold steady to, you know, your dream, which you we both know is attainable. And and so where, like, how do you do that even when it's hard? Um, yeah, I think there are low points for sure. It's not, like, nonstop I, belief, I guess. I mean, there are points where you doubt, like, I DNF'd Grand Raid. It was my first ever DNF where I mm-hmm. I took myself out of the race. It wasn't a time clock. It wasn't whatever. It was, I'm pulling myself at this point. And so there are points where, like, confidence goes out the window. And then that next morning, you're like, who am I? And that's not what I stand for. And why in that moment did I let myself slip? And so I don't want people to think that it's it's this constant thing. Like it comes and it goes and there are circumstances in life and training and injury and whatever it is that are going to make that confidence fade or Mm -hmm. grow stronger. And I think as long as you have that vision of where you want to be and you keep pushing towards it, like the confidence is easier to return to. Yeah. And especially if you're putting in the work and continue, like it's just that, that drive to get to where you want to be. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm so curious, like what happened at Grand Raid? What was different about that race? And, and then how'd you pull yourself out of it after? Yeah. I hate to be disappointing here, but I do not enjoy talking about yeah. <laughs> No, no um, problem. Yeah. So like I'll, without like going into too many details, I went, so I was supposed to run UTMB last year, yeah. got COVID Monday before the race. Um, immediately thought like before UTMB even happened I knew I wasn't running it that week I had reached out to Grand Raid and said I want to run this race yeah. like I maybe wasn't in the right mindset I was like totally. almost a little frantic like I need to get in the next competitive yeah. race I can that is super challenging and um that was Grand Raid and so 
I returned home. I wouldn't say my training was spectacular after that. I was still recovering from COVID and yeah. um, like almost forced this event to happen. Yeah. And that shows in my race. And the event itself was brought me to my knees in a way that I have not had happen, even yeah. including Nolan's. And so, yeah, I got to mile, I got to the 100K point and I decided that my body, it was not like safe to continue. They told me I had to walk out. It was something like four miles and 2,500 feet of gain, which seemed like impossible. Yeah. So I said, if you're going to make me do that to physically get off this course, then I might as well just go to the next aid station where I can drop. Yeah. And so I started hiking and, um, it was like another 18 miles. I really should have dropped at miles that 65 or whatever it was so I made it somewhere in the 80s and now it's the middle I was gonna drop in daylight um made it to like the middle of the night or some point of darkness yeah. <laughs> um yeah and the whole way those 18 miles I don't know how many hours it took me a very very long time yeah um I was going through every possible scenario of like am I the weakest person in the world for dropping or making this decision um yeah, it was it was multiple multiple hours of questioning if I'm making the right choice to drop, and then periods of I'm gonna pull this shit together and like I'm gonna yeah. make it happen, and it was I cannot over exaggerate how long that night was for me. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I pulled the plug, and I don't know where. I, how I got to this point yeah. with, in the conversation uh, if I'm answering the question or not. But, like, yeah, totally. And but, then that, that's, like, I've been there, and I think, you know, all of us yeah. have. And then, you know, you're here now um, just under a year later. Or, yeah, just under a year later, and, like, you're back, and you're so fit, and you're back with that ferocity that, you yeah. know, all your fans love you for. And um, how did you get from there thinking that maybe you were weak, which you're absolutely not, <laughs> but I know, I know the yeah. feeling, um, to being here now about to stand on the UTMB start line and being yeah. like ready. It was a long road and I feel like I'm still on that road. I mean, you walk away from a race like that and I just felt like a total fraud. I had in, I stand for like, you don't DNF no matter what, like you mm-hmm. have a compound fracture, like you walk that out, like sorry, you're still breathing fine, right? Your heart's working, like, you can walk it out. And so, um, yeah, I, I felt like the whole com- trail running community, totally in my head, was like, what? Like, I don't know, it's like a scam artist almost, you know? Like, clearly, she doesn't stand by what she speaks about, and she chose to DNF. And so, um, that, on top of the getting being so mentally and physically prepared for UTMB and then not being able to run it. And it's so hard to get to, I felt I was in the best shape of my life ever mm-hmm. heading into UTMB and to have that, like to work that hard and then have the rug pulled out from under you. Um, that last winter, I really, really struggled. And then I just like get to the spring and start racing again. And so, um, I took two months off and, did a local 50k in like a small town in North Carolina and it went fairly well and then I wanted to qualify for UTMB and so I did a race in Snowdonia um in Wales and I felt like I only pushed to like third gear which I feel Mm -hmm. good about I didn't I didn't risk blowing up in any way I felt very controlled the entire time um earned my spot into UTMB this year did a race July 2nd 
um, another small one in Washington State, a 50-miler, just to, like, mid-training block test the legs, and it went really well. And so um, here I am. Like, I don't feel completely, like, back on the horse yet. Um, I think if, if and when I run UTMB well um, this week, then I, I'm like, okay, like, I'm back, and I can do a 100-miler well. And, like, I really want to push to like fifth gear and like feel those limits again and risk blowing up and climb my way out of that or risk blowing up and like making it last right until the finish line. Yeah. Um, that's the way to run this race. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how to do that. Uh, that's super cool. Like I asked, you know, I've, I've come off, I feel like a fraud, you know, I had this giant hip injury that I, um, Literally, like, on my last race at uh, Tarawera at mile 85, I fainted on the course. Like, I passed out a week before the wedding because I was taking so much ibuprofen, which I never do during races, Mm -hmm. but it just got to the point. And it's tough, and it's hard to... And, like, still, I'm coming back. I'm, like, healthy. It's functioning for the first time, but I haven't raced since, and it's hard. Ibuprofen will fuck you up. Ibuprofen to say that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a totally free podcast. Especially in a 100-miler. Um, oh my God. But it was just getting to the point where I like, you know, I was like, I, I can't fucking DNF, you yeah, know? And, yeah. um, and I was like, I'm still fine. I can like, I'm running as fast as I can. If I can like keep moving, then I will. And then literally I, a week before Carson and I got married, I passed out in the course and he had to like lift me up. And then I was That's like, so I scary. can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I passed out again. Yeah. And then like, I, I literally don't remember. And, but it's tough. And like that, even then I look back at that. Which, like, you know, probably couldn't have kept going. Like, I don't make, you know. But you're questioning that in the moment, you can't. But you get, like, however many hours removed, and you're like, Like, six hours removed. Yeah, I should have been, like, bionic woman and trudged on no matter what. But, you know, it's it's cool to hear that, like, for for everyone, it it happens, you know. And it's in... well, then, like, so, side story. Yeah. I got an Airbnb right next to the finish line. Because in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to do so well at this race. And I'm, I was there by myself. Oh. And I'm going to finish and be not able to walk. Like, I'm going to yeah. be so messed up. And I want my Airbnb to be as close to the finish line as possible. And so then, at Grand Raid, every time somebody finishes, it's like bands and fireworks. And, like, it's yeah. like insanity. <laughs> and so, for 24 hours after my drop... Every few minutes, I just heard like explode, like the sliding glass doors did not cut any sound. It was just like the universe just like rubbing in my face. Totally, for I feel hours. <laughs> Yeah, it's this, that's awful. And the flights home, everything. You're just like, what? Is, yeah, yeah. And you've got so much time to think about it. So you know, when you're just when you should have been destroyed. You know, and yeah. we learn to love that feeling after, even if we're we don't hit our goals finishing. Yeah. Like we learn to love that feeling of just like pure exhaustion. You know, yeah. um, it's tough. Yeah, I had to get out of it. So when I, I had a layover in Paris and my flight got canceled, so I had two nights in a hotel, and the second night I booked an Airbnb experience and like went and did a speakeasy tour in Paris. No we're, like way. out of the trail running world. Nobody knows me. And like I just like had a few drinks and like the other people on the tour happened to be Americans and we just like traveled around to all these speakeasies in Paris and I was like this And is no nice. one knows. Just like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody knows <laughs> oh, fuck who you are or what just happened this last weekend. And it was it was really 
a nice break mentally from like yeah being on a flight and just like replaying that race over and over and over. That's so awesome, and I'm sure like it was just such a gift because when you go home, you go to Silverton, right? Yeah. Is that where you were? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just the you know there's reminders everywhere of your goals there. Yeah, know? for sure. I had to get like out of my personal space in a way and I made myself start going to yoga three times a week in like a group class instead of doing it by myself like I've always done I made myself go to the community basketball league every Wednesday night like I just had to find community in spaces that weren't related to running and really shift my mindset to others and not about myself and like all my goals and my failures or you know like you just have to change your mind totally and do you think that's something that you're you know um, even after successful performances that you'll continue to make a priority. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause like I had it in the past cause I was like, so in a messed up way, almost like David Goggins about it. Like yeah. you have to like be hard motherfucker. And like, if you <laughs> stray for a second, like your rest of your life's ruined. And no, I mean, I enjoyed the basketball league so much. Um, and same with the yoga. Like it's, it breaks you out of the montaneity of like treadmill, yoga by yourself, strength training by yourself. Like everything is so Mm -hmm. as an ultra runner and especially in town like Silverton Mm -hmm. in the winter, it can be very isolating. And when you're not meeting like coworkers essentially, or just doing zoom calls, you have to have human interaction. Yeah. And it's something too, you know, Carson and I just moved um, back home to Hawaii full time. We'll still be like spending time out in Colorado in the summers, but we moved to a tiny town, um, Pupukea, where it's like, same thing, all the trainings by myself. Yeah. And then when I was injured, I all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I don't see anyone ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No friends. I have no friends. And <laughs> At least in the vicinity, yeah. Yeah, exactly in the vicinity. And it's like, I, I've missed out on all these opportunities to yeah. make friends because I've been so focused, you know? And yeah. like, it is it a... Is that a superpower? I don't think so. I think it's a, it, like, being focused is great, but, like, you know, it'll it'll definitely break you eventually. Exactly, yeah. At some point, it stops being um, a positive for your training, and it actually starts taking away from it, I think. Cause, totally. Like, your mental energy isn't healthy. Yeah, it's like what we were talking about before, and I say this over and over again because I heard this, and it clicked in my head, like, oh, shit. You know, that's why I keep underperforming. But it's, um, you know, willpower is a battery, when you yeah. drain it, you can't give anything to the race. And yeah. so if you're draining all your willpower and you're not doing stuff to, like, charge that battery, mm-hmm. um, you're going to, like, no matter how fit you are, you're not going to be yeah. able to go to the well the same way you would be able to. Um, speaking of going to the well, um, like, I'd say if I could give you one word to describe who you were, if someone was like, oh, Sabrina, who, like who is she? I'd be like, she's fierce. You know, <laughs> I'd say ferocity, like no matter what, like I've heard you joke around, like they're fierce, funny jokes, you know, and um, <laughs> everything you do is fierce, including racing. Um, and like speaking of, you know, other hobbies, you know, running, it seems like was a goal that came to you later. Um, wh- how did you channel that ferocity before running? Oh, um, well, I played, so like through, I have, four brothers and a sister mm-hmm. so growing up I feel like there's just a lot of that energy in the house yeah. um and then my dad put us all in team sports so basketball volleyball fast pitch um it's where I spent the majority of my time saying to, like through I went to community college and like did it even there and then after that I traveled around a little bit 
landed in Colorado. And once I was there, I just started running. I mean, I'd been running other places, but mm-hmm. I started running trails in Colorado. And I think that was a really good outlet for me. Yeah. I went through a bit of a party phase. Like, yeah. I like to do things in extremes. Like, yeah, totally. And I had never done that before. And so, yeah, I feel like I let a lot of steam off that way when I was in Breckenridge. And then from there, I would say work a little bit and kind of test the waters, like taking a maybe more traditional like career route, but wasn't nearly as happy. And so focused more on trail running and kind of found my way. Yeah. Was there ever a time, you know, I think something like that, it can um, burn you up if it's not used. Like for me, I literally started running because I was too much in school. Like I was, I was like getting in trouble for truancy (laughs) like and like, you know, smoking too much weed and like being just having too much energy and getting in trouble at school. And then I ran, started running. I'm like, Oh, this is a energy problem. I have too much of it. Yeah. Um, was there ever a time where that ferocity, like, burned you up and then you found that balance again and then you were able to channel you know challenge channel it into something good yeah um I've always been like a people pleaser straight a type yeah like I want I'm very like goal driven and want to do everything like the best I can and yeah make other like my boss I just like want to be the best little worker slash student slash athlete I can be and so that's how I've always channeled it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever, I sound kind of boring. I'd have never like, it's never brought me trouble yeah. in that way. I've like stayed totally. the path. Um, and like, honestly, when I lived in Breckenridge, that was like my only, we'll call it party phase. Like I never did like a college or like even high school. Like, mm-hmm. I was a really good kid. <laughs> Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it has brought me... Not unfortunately, fortunately. Yeah, I, I know, but like sometimes life experience is good. Sometimes like <laughs> testing the waters can be healthy. I don't know. This is a lot better than this. Well, I I feel like, yeah. But like this passion or this like fire, like yeah. I get really passionate about topics and like I think that there's a ethical way to do things and I think obviously everybody should follow that. And yeah. so when people don't, or I see people taking advantage of systems, maybe I'm a little bit more outspoken and I don't necessarily regret that, but I think that it does bring me some flack that like I didn't expect. Cause I'm like, of course everybody thinks it should be fair for women. And so then when you speak out about that and people are like, it is fair, you guys have 20%. And it's like, that's not fair though. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And, and like, so, why yeah. do we have 20%, you know? Right. Um, We're like UTMB. I heard yesterday the field is less than 10% women. And, like, that needs to change. That's horrendous, especially yeah. because I'm sure, like, 7% of that, that 10 is, like, elite athletes with a lot of opportunity, you know? Right, right, right. You know? Um, so there's a... I'm sorry, I might be taking your No, podcast. no, don't, uh, please. But um, I listened to a podcast, and they were talking about... A little bit about... It was, like, a very small piece about females in the sport. And Stephanie Case had a quote regarding UTB and it said when they were discussing they used to only recognize like the top five women and mm-hmm. top 10 men or whatever it was and their argument was if we went 10 deep for the women then we would be including like hobbyist runners and it's not as serious anymore and stephanie Kay said well you can either be a mirror to the world of how it is or you can be a door that we can walk through and we can advance and so UTMB changed it and they started recognizing the top 10 men and women and now look how competitive it is for women yeah and, like, they changed that to a certain extent. And so I just, like, love that 
thought that totally you can argue that yeah the women aren't applying and so like their percentage that apply that like we need to keep it equal for like whatever they're showing up as but if we showed them that we want them to be here and they are included instead of like keeping a cap on their registrants then i think that they would show up in droves in the future Totally. And like, look, as you said, look at what it's done. Yeah. You know, every year the women's field is as competitive as the men's, even right. if the total field isn't as deep, you know, yeah. women are showing up. And I it's, mean, we have women finishing the top 10 now. I know. Like, like overall. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's going to continue to happen, Without you a know, doubt. and it, it's, it is a shame that that's still the um, thought and you hear it over and over right. again, because you're right. It's, um, it doesn't happen unless there's a door. You know, right. you think yeah. about it, if you see only five women on the podium, then it's like, well, fuck, like, right. I can't be one of those five. Right. You know, you see ten, it's like, oh, it's the same. This mm-hmm. is something that yeah. everyone can do. And, like, there's just, like, more opportunity, like, for those those women who are on the edge, like, maybe I can break into that ten. If I have a great day, I can be there. Totally. And I think it inspires a lot more women. Not that they need to be inspired, but it encourages them or, like, shows them how achievable their dream could be. Like, it's a little bit more in grasp and makes it a more competitive field as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, the more competitive the women's field is, the more examples. Yeah. You know, the examples there are for people who are trying to get into it. Right. You don't have just, like, that one... What is it? Like, um... Oh, I'm blanking. Like archetype of, yeah. of the female runner. You have, because men have all these different personalities. Like you have totally. Killian, you have Jim Walmsley, you have Francois, and they all are like very differently driven competitively and mm-hmm. personalities and like how they come across. And like we have Courtney DeWalter, and then like on that scale, you totally. know what I mean? It's hard to like break th- through. You have to be the best of the best. And there's not, there's not a lineup. And so, yeah, if we just. And represent women better. You can have little girls who are attracted to, like, Anna Frost, who it was for me, or yeah. Sally McRae, and, like, women like that who just, they have different personalities that you're attracted yeah. to. and you see themselves in them. Yeah, you don't exactly. see, like, oh, I'm not, like, Courtney, so, like, I could never right. be this, exactly. you know? Right, <laughs> exactly. Like, there can be women out there who, like, I don't know, love doing their fingernails and, like, run in a full face of makeup and wear skirts and Hell yeah. pink. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, Women can be athletes and be feminine, and I, I think that there could be definitely a wider variety of representation in our sport of women, and that's yep. not on women. That's on the media and races to help us yeah. show that. It's so interesting. So I just was in a podcast right before this, and the argument came up, and, like, it was a good point, and I argued against it, and it, but it was by a guy um, who's, were like, well, maybe it's on the women to, like, go out there and with cameras and GoPros and, like, film the women's race, and, which I think is awesome, and that's an awesome sentiment, but what's missing is that, um, the men got it without that, you know, without them banding together, and, like, we are gonna do this because it's good for the sport, and it's, like, a huge time commitment and a huge financial commitment to go out there with gear um and film and it's something that like hell yeah i think maybe like that might be the only way but the there's only so many media spots it's in like a race like this you know traditionally people hiring the media are men and the people who are given the opportunities to produce the media or whatever are typically men and so with less education they are getting these opportunities or less experience men are giving jobs to men yep and they those men are advancing and getting more skills and they're not going to turn around and offer it to a female. I mean, it does happen, but typically, 
Like, and, and that's why yeah. everyone's like, oh, and, there's no women photographers. I'm like, why? And that's why. You yeah. Know, it's and because- so, yeah, once women's, there will, I think, be a wave of it coming. Mm-hmm. But right now, it the people with the power are the ones who need to help us along the way. Yeah. And the people with the power are the men yeah. right now. It and is. I it's hate true. hate saying that, but, like, facts are facts. And so, like, yeah, we need to help women get that experience. And then those women who get the experience can't have the attitude that, like, they enjoy being a part of a boys club or that I had to go through this shit to get here and so, like, you should have to, too. Yeah, There has totally. to be the mentality that I made it here and I'm going to reach out my hand to you and I'm going to help you up as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that's, like, kind of my stance not to bring Hard Rock into it is, like, yeah, I, I feel like went through a messed up system to be a part of Hard Rock and then you look back and you see how it's ran and you realize, like, this is not helping women. And yeah. like, how can we help more women get into this? And how can I reach out my hand to them now that I am in the quote boys club. And so the women who get in the boys club and then are proud to be a part of the boys club, like that's a problem in our sport as well. Yeah. And that's a problem everywhere. You know, yeah, I have found sure. myself in jobs in my career, changing myself to cater to the boys club to yeah. get advanced. And I was talking to my friend who works for a major media company um, in uh, the outdoor world yeah. and was saying that she, and she's been passed over for promote over promotion after promotion and she's brilliant it like breaks my heart to see this and then yeah. they were like oh she was promised this promotion and then but because they, they were like going to try and bring more women voices into yeah. it and then they ended up going with an outside hire that was and the reason it she was hired was said that like her pa- personality vibed more with the um, the culture of the people and the upper management. Yeah. And that culture, like, she realized, she was like, oh, that culture is, like, she downplays her femininity, you know? And my friend, like, she's proud of it, you know, which we all should be. But it's just sad. It's sad that, like, and I found myself doing that in jobs, like, catering to that, um, the more masculine traits that I have. Like, and I grew up, like a tomboy you know I was I wore like boys clothes till I was like 12 just because I was super active and yeah you know and it was only in my adult life that I really learned to embrace and when I was teaching and about around a bunch of women embrace my femininity but I found that when I'm in like that a room full of guys who determine my paycheck (laughs) you know then I I find myself like leaning into those more masculine traits which is so it like I feel (laughs) it takes a piece away from me every time I walk away because if you show your emotion well if you show your passion sorry I'm messing this up but like if you show that you are moved by something then you're emotional and if men do it then they're passionate Totally. And so there's, it's just such a double standard. And then when women get in those positions of rooms of men, they, if they speak up, like they're outcasts from the group, you know, or they're called like scary. Yeah. It's scary to speak up because you, then you lose your spot. Totally. Or to like, even not even just to speak up, but like a lot of women who are in positions of power just by giving direction and doing their job, they're called bitchy or snippy right. or they're not a boss. bossy, you know? Yeah, yeah they're not, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're sure. not, it's not my boss, it's bossy, you know? Yeah. It's, it's super difficult. So, like, I don't want to spend too much time talking about, you know, how you cope with that. But, like, you know, you and I have both been on 
ends of like speaking out for women's coverage yeah. and both been just slammed down, <laughs> you know, sure. hardcore. And like that f- shut me up for a while, <laughs> you know, well, and it was tough. It's and- intentional. I keep cutting you off. No, I'm go so ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say it's intentional that they do that because other women are watching this. And when you speak out and then you get massacred online, that shows other women, if you step out of line, you will get the same treatment. And so yeah. other women stay quiet. And yeah, it's like, it's so hard to... Totally. And how did you cope with that? And then what would you say? What's like a message to um, women in the sport to yeah. uh, like, how can we do better? Yeah. Um, I think it. it's like, um, you grow from it and you learn and it's not like the next day you are totally fine. I mean, social media sucks and people are going to say stuff on there and be keyboard warriors behind their backs and not put their names next to it. And I, at first, when I first experienced it on a level I hadn't before was after Nolan's and I went back and I took the FKT, Mm -hmm. um, a second time. And a lot of people thought that that was very unsportsmanship like of me. And so when I did that, which like a male, I feel like he would have been they would have been like, They're yeah, bro. Pray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I was like, all right, if that's how people are going to react to this, then I'm not going to change who I am, but you're not going to see who I am on social media. Yeah. Like, you don't get the privilege of seeing this, quote unquote, fierceness. Like, you don't get the privilege of knowing how bad I want it or how much work I've put into this. Like, you don't, you don't get to know me anymore. And I w- went through a long phase of that of just like, I will put shallow posts up and say like one word or little quotes or something without actually talking about who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get to a point where you're like, fuck that. Like if people don't like me, they don't like me. This is how I'm going to be. And still when I say things that are polarizing, like there is still a hard point of like, there's going to be a dip where people are going to say all the wrong things to you and like hope that they affect you in some way. And some of them do and some of them don't. And then you just grow from in that and you realize your shield gets a little bit stronger. And the next time you say it, hopefully, you know, it only affects you for a couple hours and the next time yeah. a couple minutes and like you just, it, you, your skin gets thicker. I feel like it's like being in an abusive relationship, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's you like, unless you hold steady to what you know is true, it can yeah. make you crazy and like question yeah. what you believe. I, I don't. I, I'm super disengaged with all the dramas in yeah. um, ultra running, but I'm I follow especially with the women all the results. I saw yeah. you did Nolan's twice, and I was like, hell yeah, that's dope. <laughs> that's that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I don't know how she did it, but that's that's so cool. Um, and I'm sorry to hear that there was any backlash on you just accomplishing a goal and doing like having some health, good, healthy comp- competition. Um, but you know, I'm sure that all, you know, it's, it's crazy. All the negative stuff. You're like, fuck, was that unsports? Am I yeah, not a sportsman? I? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, cause I picture, I think of myself as a champion for women. And so yeah. to be viewed as, uh, n- the opposite that I went out and took another woman's record again, like it felt, like, am I the bad person here? Totally. Am I the villain? <laughs> I don't, like, see it. Yeah. And, like, my rose-colored colored glasses or whatever. And so, yeah. And then you just, I think, do a lot of soul-searching and figure out what you stand for. And then yeah. learn just to... People are going to react however they're going to react. Yeah. And I think that's really amazing. Um, 
you know, we're running out of time here and I'm just, I, we could keep talking forever. I, I know. <laughs> um, but I have two questions that I ask everyone because it's, it's so, it's different for everyone who's a high performer and, um, but it, there's always something. And, you know, for you, um, you're an amazing athlete, but what I admire you most for is your mental game. And, um, and, again, like everyone who's a top performer is like just something a little different makes them click. And, you know, what makes you, what's the thing that makes you different that, um, you can draw from, from that, you know, why you're such a good athlete? Yeah. I, I don't, I think everybody enjoys what they do. And like, so like there's a certain level that comes from that. Um, over the last few years, I've really tried to figure out like what my drive is. Why do I do this? What am I trying to accomplish? Like, is it for myself? Is it for others? And is it out of spite? Like, I'm going to show you wrong. And like anybody who's ever done me wrong, like you're going to see how big of a star I'm going to be. And I think in the last year, I've really thought about like love is the opposite of hate or they say not interest or whatever, but (laughs) love is like the opposite of hate. And I really think like when I first started running, I was in high school and I would get out of fast pitch practice and I would hit the track and I would do three miles. Um, in the summers I would do seven, but in season I would just hit the track and start running three miles every day. And, um, I used to picture my dad standing like on the baseball fence, watching me run. And like, anytime I felt tired, I'm like, he's like just sitting there like so proud of me, I'm sure. And it's like all in my head. And so over the last year, I would have probably answered differently a couple years ago that I am doing it out of spite. Like any company who ever said I wasn't good enough to sign, like when I was a nobody, like watch me. And now I feel like I'm at a point where I can like look back and analyze. And what drives me even more is I want to show, maybe it's like a toxic or not a good thing. A therapist could tell me, but like, I want to show the people that love me. Like, this is like my gift to you. Like, I, this is something I love and I want you to be a part of it. And I want you, like, I want my mom to be able to tell people, like, my daughter's the UTMB champion. And, like, I don't know. I just think that when I am at my healthiest mentally, my number one goal is to, like, have my dad be able to brag about me at work. (laughs) And so I think that's like my biggest like driving factor. And I want Adidas to be proud of me and I want my teammates to be proud of me. And so I, yeah, I feel like very good about like the last year of like finding like the root of what makes me happy. I think there's nothing. I don't think you need to talk to a therapist about that. because (laughs) I got to tell you that's, that's love. And like you talk to, people who are at the top of the marathon game, you know, the Kenyans and Ethiopians who are like, yeah, I did this for my family back home. Yeah, I want them yeah. to be proud of me. I want them to see me and have, for like, sure. you know, they can do something. So I don't think there's anything wrong with well, that. Like, yeah, hearing Michael Jordan talk about, like, he would just, like, make up these stories in his head about, like, how this guy hated him or did something to yeah. him. And so, like, that's why he had to win the game. And, like, I've definitely been in that, totally. like, toxic loop. But I think it makes you so unhappy in training to like to compete out of spite is not no. a good place to be. No, and, and that's so, what'll burn you out because yeah. it's not it's not happy. It right, doesn't feel exactly. good. Yeah, it's draining. Yeah. So competing out of love I think is way healthier. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so last one. Um, what is something that you're proud of that 
you know, your fans wouldn't know of that you don't talk about in podcasts usually? Oh, man, you have a lot of really good hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) Score. (laughs) Oh, Oh, shoot. Oh, I feel like I'm failing right now. Um, It can be anything I can give you. Yeah. Let me see. Something I'm proud of. And, like, they might not know. I'm a really big reader. I love to read. I don't know if I'm, like, proud of that. But, like... Can be. Uh, it's something I enjoy doing a lot. Um, I'm a big animal lover. I, like, worked at a vet for five years. And just, like, it was one of the best jobs I ever had. And so... Yeah. I th- like... That's pretty amazing. But I feel like when I'm telling people this, like, if you have to tell people you're a compassionate person and, like... Maybe there's uh-huh. a reason that you have to tell them that. So No, um, I think yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a great one. Like you're a compassionate person. It's clear. It's in like everything that you've said in this interview. And I think that's definitely something to be proud of. I knew you, actually you worked at a vet and that you um love dogs. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. Actually, we'll go back. One of my most proud things of life is I have a girlfriend. Her name is Melissa, and we have maintained like the best friendship since seventh grade. And, like, she is my person, and I feel like it's so hard to find that person and maintain them and keep them in your life, no matter what she's going through or I'm going through. And so, as, like, small as it may seem, I would say, like, that relationship is so special to me, and I cherish it so much, and, like, that's my... Wow. My one, like, thing of, like... That's incredible. I have been trying to maintain my friendships better because I get in a, I'm not good at the phone. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's hard. And everyone is so spread out these days. I like, it's easy to just like get in your own little tunnel. So that, that is something that I've been actively working on. So that's cool. Mm. Awesome. Well, any last words? Um, yeah, I'm going to share a story about you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I first heard of you when I was, uh, racing, um oh shoot it was a race in uh sean o'brien oh. 100k to get my golden ticket to western mm-hmm. and i ran with somebody that you knew at the time and he was telling me all about you and how amazing you were and i had never heard of you and i was like whatever like i'm gonna get to western <laughs> and like i'm not even gonna know this chick and so i'm running western and about like 20 ish miles in, i stopped to pee in the woods and i see you as i'm squatting like running past me <laughs> and in my head i'm like I'm not worried. I'm going to catch her <laughs> it's like so early in the race. And I still kick myself for taking that pee. I'm like, what if I hadn't peed? <laughs> like, like, I was on the trail and she passed me and I could catch her, which I wouldn't have. You beat me by like over an hour and a half. But um, yeah. And so that was like my first ever getting to know you was, was at Western, like kind of. And then um, when I met you the next time we, I feel like had a rough start. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a few drinks together and I feel like instantly bonded and yeah, totally. We're like, Oh, I get her. I get her now. Like completely. And Hell so yeah. I'm so happy that we went out for drinks that night and Me too. you're the best. That was great. Right back at you. I'm honestly so excited for your UTMB. You, Thank you. got such a fan in me from now till, uh, if you don't win this year, I know you will. So oh, I appreciate really stoked. it. Yeah. Maybe we'll run it together next year. Yes. Let's do yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for listening guys. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah. Next. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. That was fun. That was, like, that was a good one. You look around.